I have never seen Reds manager David Bell smile as much as he did on Monday night. I'm going to tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thank you so much for checking out the Locked On Reds podcast. We are your team every day because we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan and addict to this team. I've turned an addiction into information for you. This is now my fifth season hosting a daily podcast about your Cincinnati Reds. And I thank you so much for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. To all those everydayers out there, thank you for being part of the show. You are what drives me to do this every single day. And uh, I'm telling you, if you are new to this team, if you're if you're a lifelong fan like me, if you've loved this team from birth, then you've seen stuff like you've seen uh, something kind of, maybe not exactly like what we saw from uh, Ricky Karcher and the Reds on Monday night, but you've seen some weird stuff before. But if you're brand new, if Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain and Spencer Steer and even Hunter Green and Nick Liddell, if those guys drew you in, and you're like, man, I got to check this team out. And you watch Monday night's game, you're probably going, what on earth? Well, we're going to get the what's on earth with Ricky Karcher here on today's episode. I also want to talk about the amazing performance of managing that David Bell did in that win on Monday night's game. You might not want to give him credit because you may not love him, but I'm going to tell you why you need to coming up later on. Plus, could our oldest Chapman, the Cuban Missile, return to the Reds? We're going to get to all of that on today's podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, make sure you drop a line in the comment section if this is your first time. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can also join the conversation on Discord. Make sure you check out the description there. But Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app today. Use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB to save $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And where we are starting today is Ricky Karcher. Oh, my goodness. Like, here's the thing about Ricky Karcher. I, I, I don't know if you knew where he was coming from. But his MLB debut was something that back in spring training, I was advocating for. We saw him pitch pretty well in spring training. His statistics in 2022 at Louisville looked pretty good. But then he pitched in 2023 in Louisville, and he couldn't stop walking guys. Um, But all of a sudden, he gets to the call-up. This Reds bullpen is overtaxed. It's been used quite a bit this season. They need fresh arms. So here he is, and it's an MLB debut that we won't soon forget. I saw this all over Twitter, whether it was friend of the podcast, Mo Wegger, whether it was me, whether whoever it was that was talking about this, no matter what Ricky Karcher's MLB career looks like from this point forward, when you say the Ricky Karcher game, you're referring to June 12th, a Monday night for the Cincinnati Reds at Kauffman Stadium. And his debut. So, okay, he is a trivia answer now. Let's start with this. If someone asks you, and I don't know why they would, but if someone asks you who was the last pitcher to make their Major League debut and get a save, 
Ricky Karcher. It's the first time since 1939 that's happened. Yeah, we're not talking about Alexis Diaz. We're not talking about some highly touted relief pitcher that just setting the world on fire in the minor leagues and he had to be called up. We're talking about a dude, and let's let's paint this picture here because this this picture, I'm, I'm going to try. So last night was one of those things where you had to be there, but I'm going to try to bring you there. I'm going to try to bring you to where the Reds were because understand this. On Monday night, Buck Farmer was the best available relief pitcher for David Bell. He allowed one hit that happened to be the game-tying solo shot to Sal Perez in the ninth inning. Now, the reason that Buck Farmer was the best available relief pitcher was twofold. Fernando Cruz, or Fernando Cruz Alex Young, Casey Legamina had all been used up until that point in the game. Ricky Karcher was pretty much it, or David Bell was going to have to call on Lucas Sims or Alexis Diaz for the third straight day, or he was going to have to bring in Ian Jabot for the fourth time in the last seven days. We're talking about a bullpen that has just been used and abused. Now, they've pitched pretty well, but just used so much that Ricky Karcher kind of had to do this, and he gets thrown for his Major League debut in a save situation. Let's continue the improbability of it all, because in AAA this season, Ricky Karcher had a 9.27 ERA with a 7.26 XFIP. We talk about... XFIP, Expected Fielding Independent Pitching. It's a statistic that talks about, you know, whether a pitcher is getting lucky or not. Turns out he's getting unlucky, but not that much. 7.26 still ain't very good. It's, you know, basically the same thing as ERA, just predictive. And in 22 and a third innings pitched, he had allowed 34 walks. And he had thrown five wild pitches to boot. He did have 31 strikeouts. So, yes, you're saying, well, that's more strikeouts than innings. That's more walks than strikeouts. But here he was. David Bell calls on him for a save opportunity. Now, I'm going to show you this picture if you're watching on YouTube, but if you're listening here, I'm going to describe it for you because the graph of pitches that Ricky Karcher threw to the Kansas City Royals on Monday night is hilarious. Baseball Savant provides these graphs of what the pitches look like, and they put, you know, like a a batter in the right-hand box and a batter in the left-hand box just to show where they would have been. And you go all the way up to the top of the picture where a couple of fastballs ended up. You go all the way down to the plate where he bounced a changeup to a dude, and when you look at this graph, you see... Maybe five strikes, maybe six if you squint. There were there was one very interesting strike that was called, and, and I forget the batter that was at the plate, but because of a clock violation, so that was kind of fun. There were a couple of foul balls on pitches that guys just reached for bad, bad pitches on and, and really helped out Ricky Karcher, but at the end of the day, if, if Kansas City just sent their batters up there and said, don't swing, it's very possible that Ricky Karcher just would have walked in the winning run. And mind you, this was in the 10th inning with a runner on second base to start the inning. He gets a pop out to third base in Ellie De La Cruz. He gets a fly out to center field in which TJ Friedel makes such a beautiful throw into third base that the, sec- the guy on second base can't advance. Then 
because Ricky Karcher is just out of his depth at this point, a double steal happens on him because he doesn't check the runners. So you've got runners on second and third, two outs, Reds are up by one. And hear me out on this. If he had let the game get go tie and then the Reds go bat in the, the top half of the 11th, this would have been an ugly game. Because then you're talking about even if the Reds do score and go back ahead, then the Reds really do have to dip into a bullpen that is just absolutely exhausted. Anyway, this is part of one of the things that I'm going to talk about why David Bell did such a good job on Monday night because if Ricky Karcher ain't it, this bullpen is hurting and they're probably making a move tomorrow to bring somebody up and provide some relief to the relief pitchers. But he was able to pull it up. This was the gamble of all gambles for David Bell. It, it, is, it is a game that when you talk about the Ricky Karcher game for years to come, it's, it's going to be kind of funny. And his post-game interview was phenomenal. If you, if you got the chance, you watched the game and you, you saw his post-game interview, you loved it. If you didn't see it, basically Jim Day was just like, man, look at that, your first appearance. You got a major league save on, under your belt after your first appearance. What do you think about that? And this is my imitation of what Ricky Karcher did. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> holy bleep. That was, uh, wow. I don't know. He said, I don't know, no less than five times in that interview with Jim Day. It was absolutely phenomenal. Ricky Karcher, it's going to go down in infamy. The Ricky Karcher game, Monday night, just I've never been so fired up for a Reds win over the Kansas City Royals on June 12th. And the Reds still aren't even back to 500 yet. But here we are. What a night. What a night. Uh, there. look, that gamble was the cherry on top of what was a beautiful managerial performance from David Bell. And I'm going to explain why coming up next. Before I do, I want to shout out one of today's sponsors, and that is Game Time. Game Time is the best way to get your next ticket to a Reds game. As the Reds come back home, they're, they're still on the road for the rest of this week, but when they return home next week, the best way to get your tickets will be through Game Time. They offer you the Game Time price check guarantee. If you look on another app and you find tickets in your same section, in your same row for cheaper, Game Time is going to give you 110% of the difference because they're that confident that they've got the best prices and they've got all kinds of deals too when you're talking about uh, other sporting events like FC Cincinnati they're on fire right now great time to be a Cincinnati sports fan really is you can even buy tickets to Bengals games right now on game time Uh, you can buy tickets to shows Kevin James is coming to Taft Theater this Saturday at this point, if you don't have tickets, you're probably going to pay a lot of money, but game time is going to help you get the best deal. Check them out today. Download the game time app, create a profile and use the promo code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Game time has the best last minute tickets with the lowest prices guaranteed. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds your first listen every day. Every day is on the next show. So much happened on Monday night that uh, we're going to have the three-catcher conversation tomorrow whenever Steve returns. It's just you and me today. Thanks so much for joining me every day. But uh, just in case you weren't aware, too, the Reds and Royals are back at it tonight, beginning at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Got Brandon Williamson up on the mound 
opposing Jordan Lyles, who is having just an awful, awful season. I hope the Reds don't make him feel better about himself. Uh, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And I don't I don't know that the Reds will make him feel good about himself. Ellie De La Cruz went 0 for 5 uh, on Monday night. He was still electric. I mean, he made it to first base on a fielder's choice and uh, came all the way around, almost scored. He, he was stranded at third that inning, but... I don't see him going 0 for two nights in a row. I think some fireworks are coming tonight against Jordan Lyles. But let's get back to this this managerial performance that David Bell had because usually we're complaining, right? Usually we're talking about how could he do that? Why did he make that choice? But uh, uh, except for Buck Farmer allowing the game-tying home run to Salvador Perez, David Bell managed a perfect game. Let's really break this down for a minute because Luke Weaver was going against his his most recent former team. He pitched for the Royals last year. We talked about this pretty much out of the bullpen. Uh, he had one start, and as I was told to by a Royals fan yesterday, uh, that was an open. He was starting as an opener, not as an actual starter. So, yeah, this was a little bit of revenge for him. And he did not come ready for the task. Walked a bunch of guys, had four walks, I believe, on the game. And it was in the fifth inning. You had runners on first and third and two outs. But you, uh, the dude at the plate, Michael Massey, had two doubles on the same pitch from Luke Weaver in two at-bats against Luke Weaver on the day. And he was coming up to bat. To bat. And he's a lefty. So David Bell's like, Mm-mm, ain't leaving Luke Weaver in for this one. Pulls him. Brings in Alex Young. He strikes out Massey on three pitches. Looking. Absolutely beautiful at bat. And just the first of many wins for David Bell on the night. Uh, later on in the game, in fact, this was at a critical juncture in the ninth inning as the game was tied at three for the longest time, it felt like. But uh, Will Benson's up with a runner on second. Or actually, I guess this is the tenth inning. Will Benson is up with a runner on second base. And uh, and uh, nobody out, and he lets him swing away. And there were a lot of folks in the Reds, you know, in the Lockdown Reds Discord and and on Reds Twitter that were just like, "Why on earth don't you bunt Will Benson here? He's so fast, he might beat it out." But Will Benson walks, so then it's first and second, nobody out, and then they move on over because Stuart Fairchild, right after Will Benson, bunts him over. In the and I got ahead of myself. This is the top of the ninth. I keep I keep filling this. It's the top of the ninth. This all this is happening. Stuart Fairchild is then told to bunt. He lays down a beautiful bunt down the third baseline, moves the runners over, second and third, with one out. And by the way, Stuart Fairchild hit a home run earlier in the game. So this wasn't the easy, oh yes, obviously you're gonna bunt him here. Like David Bell had every right to be like, he homered earlier. Why am I gonna ask him to bunt? But he does, and he lays down a perfect bunt. Moves runners over. Kevin Newman, who came in for Luke Maley, which, by the way, that was a beautiful move because Luke Maley earlier in the game hit a double. Should have been a triple, but he's Luke Maley. He's not fast. Anybody else, it would have been triple. L.A. De La Cruz might have been a home run. But still, yeah, I digress. He takes out Luke Maley, pinch hits Kevin Newman, hits the go-ahead uh, uh, sack fly. Absolutely beautiful stuff. And, and it just the moves that he made on the offensive side were key. 
on the pitching side of things, he kept pulling the right strings as well. Like Fernando Cruz, beautiful, clean inning. Buck Farmer uh, got brought in to bail out Casey Legamina. I'm really happy that Casey Legamina is back from injury, but Casey Legamina looked a little bit rough in this one. He was kind of all over the place with his location, and he got into some trouble, a couple of guys on base. David Bell's like, all right, I've seen enough. Brings in Buck Farmer. Buck Farmer gets the second and third out there in the eighth inning and really was pitching a beautiful ninth inning until he throws just a ridiculous center cut right down the middle BP fastball to Salvador Perez. Just the third run he's given up since the month of May began. Um, But even then it was still like, okay, I don't really put that on David Bell. I mean, David Bell's got a very bad track record of leaving guys in, like bringing a reliever in to finish an inning, then leaving him in. And then the next inning, he kind of blows up. I don't even know that I say that's blowing up. It's just, you know, just one bad pitch. But still, just absolutely managed his butt off. And and through all of this, I think it's easy to get fixated on the fact that he left in Buck Farmer. But we seem to wait managerial moves so heavily to the negative that we've got to shout out the positive, like sticking to your guns, not digging deep into the bullpen and and then saying, Ian Jabot, get up here and warm up, get ready to go in the game. Lucas Sims, get up third day in a row. Let's go get you in here. Lexus Diaz. Let's go get you in here. I love the fact that David Bell said, no, we had a schedule. We're sticking to that schedule. <laughs> and even if I've got to throw Ricky Nuclelouche Karcher in the ball game, we're going to do it. Or Ricky wild thing Karcher into the ball game. We're going to do it. And, and the, the camera would show him at times whenever Karcher was throwing and, it was show him in the dugout and he was, he was talking to Derek Johnson and it, it still looked like the whole time he was just confident. And I don't know why, like if you watched Karcher's uh, appearance, it was all over the place. Just to show you one more time. I mean, this graph shows pitches above guys heads. There was actually more pitches above batters heads than there were below the strike zone total. So if he was wild, he was wild up. And if you ever listen to Jeff Brantley or Chris Welsh call a game, they always say, if you want to be wild, be wild low in the zone, not up. That's a bad place to be wild, and yet he didn't get burned. So, yeah, you can talk about that being a little bit of luck. But that's where I said, and and I even said up to that point, it felt like David Bell had managed a perfect game, except for the Buck Farmer thing. And then he went from being this really strategic, really smart manager to just pushing his chips all in and laying his cards on the table and saying, it's Ricky Karcher. Hey, come get him. And he won. You got to love that, man. Like, you can't not celebrate that. If you're going to harp on a dude for bad moves, and if you're going to say, boy, how'd you do this? Then you got to be fair and say, dude, Good win. Way to go. Tip my cap to that one. Because now you've got Brandon Williamson, who's got a real shot to bounce back. This Royals lineup's not good against lefties. And then you've got the Reds lineup facing a guy in Jordan Lyles who has had a rough year 
almost a 7 ERA, and he's 0-10. I don't usually talk about pitcher win-loss records, but when you're 0-10, I think it's worth noting. Um, so there's a real shot here if Brandon Williamson can kind of take a take a nice step forward, have a nice start. He can pitch a lot, and then you can maybe use Lucas Sims and Alexis Diaz, but you can do it after they've had a day of rest. And who knows, maybe, I mean, there's so many wins that David Bell set his bullpen up for, which normally I say, boy, he's really managing with a quick hook, and it's really hurting this bullpen, but I think it worked. I think the gamble of throwing a dude who nobody would expect to pitch in a save situation, I think it worked out, and I think it's going to continue to work out for the next couple of days. David Bell managed his butt off. And he absolutely deserves praise for what he did. You know, it's funny because coming into this game, there were there was some talk about our oldest Chapman and, and could he be a trade target for the Reds? Only if it's for the right price. I'll explain why coming up next. Before we get to that, though, I want to let you know, hey, the Reds and Royals are getting going at 8.10 p.m. tonight. The Reds last face Kansas City uh, at Kauffman Stadium back in 2021, and I know I mentioned this before the first game, but um, they they played at Kauffman Stadium and they won two out of three back in 2021. They've got a shot to at least win two out of three if they win tonight. And you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And you can also follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and including YouTube. Thanks so much if this is your first time watching the podcast. Uh, also, you can join the social community that we have for Lockdown Reds on Discord. I've got a link in the description of today's show. And also, you can get a direct line to me. I have just recently joined Subtext. So check out Subtext to me today. You can text I'm in to 513-597-0944, and you're going to get some more Reds insight from me in between episodes, and you'll have the ability to text me directly. That's text I'm in to 513-597-0944 to opt in to subtext today. It's a free 14-day trial, and it's a $5.99 subscription fee on a monthly basis, but going to have a lot of great stuff in there. So make sure you check it out. Uh, speaking of which, one of those things is going to be a lot of rumors. We're going to be talking about trade rumors as we head to the trade deadline, because I am beginning to believe day by day that the reds are going to be very interesting at the trade deadline. Now, I don't think that means that they're going to be trading the likes of Noel V. Marte or, or Edwin Arroyo or Cam Collier or anybody like that. But they could make some very interesting moves. Nick Crawl has been pretty adept at making marginal moves. Now, Will Myers hasn't quite worked out this year. So, yeah, he's not batting a thousand with the marginal moves, but he's 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 kind of doing pretty well. He's doing all right. And some speculation exists of the Reds going after Aroldis Chapman. But if they do that, the trade has to make sense. Like I said, can't be big names. I had somebody on Twitter uh, reply with a baseball trade values idea of the Royals sending Aroldis Chapman and um, Scott Barlow, the guy who uh, pitched the ninth inning for the Royals on Monday, uh, to the Reds for Noel V. Marte 
And I think Kevin Newman was in that trade. Or maybe it was Nick Senzel. But if Noel V. Marte is in the deal, I'm not excited about it. Unless you're talking about a dude that we get multiple years of control and he's a starting pitcher with a pretty decent track record already, then we might start talking. But I really want to see Noel V. Marte in a Reds uniform. And you could look at this and say, well, the Reds do have a glut of infield prospects and he might not necessarily fit in and he could be a better trade chip. Okay, but it's got to be something big. Like, as much as I love Roldis Chapman, he's on an expiring contract and he's a relief pitcher. So as, as, as much as the trade deadline usually augments the value of relief pitchers, I don't want to see the Reds, like, overpay here. There's no reason for the Reds to overpay. And it's nice to say this because with the talent that the Reds have, their window is just being cracked right now. It's not even really open. Like next year, I think the contention window opens. But with that being said, that means you don't have to overpay and you don't have to go crazy and and, and go all in, as it were, about, you know, trading a prospect here or there to get some guys. Like, you can be judicious with Nick Craw can be very judicious with the trades that he is offered this trade deadline season. Now, the good thing about Aroldis Chapman is he still got it. I mean, he struck out India, De La Cruz, and Spencer Steer. Like, it was nothing in the eighth inning. I was very pumped for that matchup, by the way, of Aroldis Chapman versus Ellie De La Cruz. And it ended very unceremoniously because the home plate umpire, I don't know, there were some pitches, and he was calling them for the Reds as much as he was calling them for the Royals, so I can't get too mad at him. But he had dinner plans or something. His strike zone was all over the place. And the strike uh, strike three that he called on Ellie De La Cruz was at his shins. There was a discussion about, you know, I had a discussion with Lockdown Bengals Jake Lisko about, you know, baseball savant made it seem like it was actually in the strike zone. It was not. It was at his shins. But this is going to be something that Ellie De La Cruz has to deal with in his career is the whole tall player strike zone thing. Like, the Yankees fans complain about that to no end with Aaron Judge. Get ready, Reds fans. We're going to be right there with them because – Ellie De La Cruz is tall, and there's going to be some umpires that decide that the uh, pitches that are down by his shins that he probably needs a pitching wedge to hit is somehow a strike. And that's kind of what happened on this one. It was just below the zone. It wasn't too egregious, but it was still a ball. Uh, but anyway, that that kind of ended that at bat. But, I mean, he was looking good. His stuff looks good. If the Reds can get him for the right price, if the Reds can trade for a role as Chapman and add him to the bullpen for the right price, be very interesting. And uh, Chapman was actually quoted by the new Reds beat writer for the Inquirer, Gordon Wittenmeyer, as saying, quote, it'd be awesome to play my last year or last two years of my career with my first team. Now, he, he had more to say in that quote where he was talking about, you know, I've been pitching for 13 or 14 years. I don't know how much more I got left. I don't know how much more I'll be pitching, but, you know, it's something like that, that if Nick Crawl can work out a trade where it's like a mid to low level prospect, even um, maybe one or two guys that, you know, are way off the radar, then maybe I could see it. But I don't necessarily know if it's the right idea to invest in Roldis Chapman for two years right now. Like, it feels like there's probably some other relief pitchers that have better prospects. Now, Chapman is still very solid and could be a very good setup man. And that's kind of the other part of this equation is what role does he want to accept? Like, if he comes to the Reds, he's not the closer. Alexis Diaz is the closer, period. 
there's no argument there. Hopefully he understands that. Like if, if the, the Reds have to consider team fit, you know, the, 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 the chemistry of it all. And, and how does the locker room fit work and things like that? Aroldis Chapman is a very is is a a very notable mm, selfish player. If I want to go that far, like I love Chapman and I, I I love the memories that I have of number fifty four coming out of the bullpen. But his last year there in New York, like I mean, the Yankees were getting ready for the playoffs, but. He had pitched so poorly, he was not necessarily sure of his own status on the team as they head to the playoffs. So instead of fighting for it and instead of going all in on trying to get up for it and trying to make that playoff roster, uh, he took a vacation and he left. I don't know that we can just dismiss that. So... Do I want the Reds to go get a role as Chapman? The price has to make sense, and he has to be willing to buy into what's going on because he's not going to be the guy here. He's going to be part of the support crew. And if he can buy into that, then, hey, I'm down for that. But it's that that all that stuff all has to work. You know what? Uh, before we get out of here, don't forget, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. But that's going to wrap us up for this edition of Locked On Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, the three-catcher discussion that I promised for today has got put back, pushed back to tomorrow. The Reds need to abandon it. We'll tell you why on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast, because as Steve will return tomorrow, you can count on us to be Locked On Reds every single day.